Our passage this morning for the message is one primary verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Although we will look at other scripture passages as well, so please have your Bible at the ready. That means always be ready with your Bible. Okay? Uh, what is the reason, if someone were to ask you, what is the reason for the hope you have in Christ Jesus? What is the reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus? How would you answer them? What would you say to them? As I give you a bit of time to process that, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read God's Word. Father, instruct our hearts this morning. Teach us who we are in light of who You are. Speak through me as Your servant. Bless those who are here with Your Word. All who hear Your Word, bless them. Through Your Spirit's power, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's back up a bit to verse 14 just for a little bit of context. 1 Peter three fourteen and 15. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. When Peter says, do not fear what they fear, the next part of that phrase is literally, do not be thrown into turmoil. Do not be thrown into turmoil. I want to start with the perspective of theologian William Barclay as he comments on what Peter means here. Barclay writes, Peter goes on to speak about the Christian attitude to suffering. It has been rightly pointed out that we are involved in two kinds of suffering. There is the suffering in which we are involved because of our humanity. Because we are human, we experience physical suffering, death, sorrow, mental distress, and physical weariness and pain. There is also the suffering in which we may be involved because of our Christianity, our relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. There may be unpopularity, persecution, sacrifice for the sake of principle, and the deliberate choosing of the difficult way that goes against sin. The necessary disciplines and toils of the Christian life as well. Yet the Christian life has a certain blessedness which runs through it all. What is the reason for that? What is the reason for our blessedness? What is the reason for the hope we have? In Christ. Because Jesus lives, so shall I. 
That is our blessedness. That is the reason for our hope in Christ. I want to hear you say it with me. Because Jesus lives, so shall I. One more time. Because Jesus lives, so shall I. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today remembering that after three days lying dead in a tomb, Jesus rose on the third day, which is Sunday. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. We are going to sing this song shortly and we believe it. But when we say He lives, we're talking about Sunday. Today. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Hence our worship of God has changed from the Sabbath day, Saturday, where God's people were under the authority of the law, to Sunday, Resurrection Day, where God's people are under the authority of grace. Remembering that grace is undeserved favor. Grace is favor that you don't deserve. It's the work of someone else on your behalf that is given to you. That is grace. The accomplishment of someone else that is applied to you that is given to you and received by faith. Well, what does this mean? It means that under the authority of the law, you are required to uphold God's law completely in order to have right standing with God. So in, if you want to be right with God, Jesus says your righteousness has to exceed that of the, the scribes and Pharisees. That of the most righteous people in Israel, it has to exceed that. It has to be perfect. It has to be complete. The problem is that the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23, looking back at his life as a Pharisee, zealously trying, striving to keep the law, he says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All includes himself. And the whole human race, everyone except for the Messiah, who is Christ Jesus the Lord. Under the authority of God's grace, we are given the righteous standing of another, Jesus Christ, who kept the law perfectly on our behalf. The way we receive this righteousness is through faith in Him. Our faith is in Him, His work to save us and present us as righteous before God the Father. So let's go a bit deeper in this. As Peter says in verse 15 that we are to have a readiness, a preparedness like a soldier, always ready to engage those who are around us. Whether it is engaging a captain or the enemy, you have to have a readiness to act no matter what the situation. That is what Peter calls upon us to do, is to have that readiness for the hope and to give a reason for the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Well, in order for Jesus to present you as righteous before the Heavenly Father, what must He do for you? What must He do? Before Jesus went to the cross, He said these words in John 14. And if you want to look there, uh, please follow along. John 14, 1-6, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. 
In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Please keep in mind that this is prior to the crucifixion. When Jesus says these things, as He knows how all of this is going to unfold as God in human flesh. Verse 4, And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Thomas does know the way as he knows Jesus. In order for Jesus to present you as righteous before God, He must first make a way for you to be right with God. He must do this, not you or I. Jesus must make a way for you to be right with God. So again, this has nothing to do with you and I as our way is the path of sin which separates us from God, drives us away from God. Why do you think so many people are placing their hope and trust in thoughts and theories of a fallen rebellion and broken world with the purpose of trying to cover up their guilt before God? Why do you think these people are always on the, in the process of justifying themselves, justifying their actions, proclaiming their own self-righteousness apart from the righteousness of God? And they don't want anything then to do with God's law. The path of the sinner is away from God. Never towards God. Always away from God. It is God who makes the way to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So how does Jesus make a way for you and I to be right with God? If you have your Bibles open, look at Galatians chapter 4. This is a readiness. You've got to be prepared. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Dad. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Although Jesus is the Son of God, He is born under the authority of the law, which means that He had to keep the law completely, which He did. He was incarnated, taking upon Himself the weakness of human flesh, which was tested in every way, and yet He was without sin. Jesus is holy. He is set apart. He is the perfect Lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. How? Paul uses the word redeem. Redeem. To redeem is to buy back. Under the law you are guilty before God. But as we have sung, the grace of God is greater than our sin. The grace of God through Christ Jesus is greater than our sin. What you owed God was paid for by Jesus Christ. 
His righteousness credited to you, freely given to you. But to give you this righteousness, your sin must be taken away. It is not Jesus simply offering bail money to get you out of the prison of sin for a couple of days. It's Jesus taking upon Himself your full sin and thus His Father's judgment on your behalf. Chuck Colson remembered a time when a skeptical news reporter came in to interview him and asked him the question, uh, Mr. Colson, how do you know that Jesus is real? How do you know Jesus is real? Colson responded, while I was in prison, Al Qui, a distinguished congressman and later Minnesota governor, pleaded with the president that he might take my place in prison so that I could tend to some family members, uh, family matters that needed to be taken care of. He pleaded with the president to take my place in prison so that I could go free and be with my family. That was a turning point in my life, Colson says. For the first time, I really understood what it meant for a man to lay down his life for his friends. God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ paid the penalty for our sins through His death on the cross. When Jesus called out, It is finished! The temple curtain to the Holy of Holies where God met with the consecrated high priest. That temple curtain was rent in two from top to bottom. Showing that Jesus had, the, had made the way for us through His shed blood. He had made the way for us to be with God. Through His blood, He has made us righteous with God. Even as a believer, Peter tells us in verse 15, that we are to set Christ apart in our hearts as Lord, Lord of our hearts. Jesus has all authority as our mediator between us and God. Are we yielding to that authority? Are we yielding to that authority of Christ Jesus in how we live our lives? There's another work by which Jesus makes you right with God. Jesus opens your spiritual eyes to the truth setting you free from the deceptive lies of the evil one, the dark counsel of this fallen world, and the propaganda of your own sinful heart. Again, we don't seek out God. He seeks us out. Sometimes directly, but often and most often through the prayers and labors of His people, proclaiming the living biblical gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verses 31-36, through 36, To the Jews who had believed Him, if you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. Recognize how many times Jesus uses the word truth or truly in this short phrase. Verse 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, this is truth, true truth. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house, meaning the house of God forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
The truth is that you and I do not break free of our prideful delusions to pursue God. It is the Holy Spirit who calls to your mind, to your heart, through God responding to the prayers of His people, through God working through the preaching of the biblical gospel to people who do not know Jesus. Chuck Colson, and the reason I'm bringing Colson up was Colson was considered the henchman of President Richard Nixon. Colson was a no-nonsense, can-do, take-no-prisoners type of guy. Very confident in himself, in his abilities, and in his privilege as one of the most powerful men on this planet, especially in this nation. At that time, he exuded pride and determination to get what he wanted from this world. But in Colson's book, Born Again, he talks about the day he surrendered his life to uh, the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Colson had met with Tom Phillips, who shared with him how he had given his life to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade. And as, as Colson was there, he read from C.S. Lewis's book uh, about how pride, pride is the great sin that we accomplish, that we do against God. And it cut Colson to the heart. Tom offered to pray for him, but Colson denied, uh, declined the, the invitation, and immediately left. This is Colson's testimony when he got into his car. He says, outside in the darkness, the iron grip I'd kept on my emotions began to relax. Tears welled up in my eyes as I groped in the darkness for the right key to start my car. Angrily, I brushed them away and started the engine. What kind of weakness is this? I said to nobody. As I drove out of Tom's driveway, the tears were flowing uncontrollably. I pulled to the side of the road not more than a hundred yards from the entrance to Tom's driveway, with my face cupped in my hands. I forgot about machismo, about pretenses, about the fears of being weak. And as I did, I began to experience a wonderful feeling of being released. And then I prayed my first real prayer. God, I don't know how to find You, but I'm going to try. I'm not much the way I am now, but somehow I want to give myself to you. I didn't know how to say more, so I repeated over and over the words, take me. When I look at this, I think, what's the truth here about who found who? Who found who here? The Son sets you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. When a child is born, it is through the will, not through the will of that child that he or she is conceived because the conception of that child actually starts in the hearts and minds of that child's parents before it ever starts in the womb. So it is with those who are born again or born from heaven. They are born of God's Spirit working through the prayers and preaching and mercy of God's people who are declaring the truth of God through Jesus Christ. The last time Chuck Colson met with Christian apologist and evangelist uh, Francis Schaeffer, uh, Francis Schaeffer was on his deathbed, but he had one thing to say to Chuck before he died. He called him close and he said, Chuck, the only issue, the only issue of our day, truth. 
true truth. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, that's the truth Schaefer is focusing on. That's what's important for our day. Before we can even repent and turn from our wicked ways unto God, we must first understand who we really are in light of who God really is and what our condition really is and how that condition is remedied only through Christ Jesus. We must understand this truth, the truth about Christ Jesus and our condition before God in order to be saved. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul writes. We are enslaved by sin, entombed by sin. We cannot escape it in and of our own power. That is the misery and horror of our situation. And you will not understand it until the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and makes you aware. Until the Holy Spirit regenerates your spiritual eyes so that you can see the kingdom of God and understand that the only way into that kingdom is through Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life of God. Oh, beloved of God, how is that life revealed to us? This work of God, that His Son lay dead in the tomb, and now He is resurrected to life. He is restored to glory. Think of that life of the resurrected Jesus, the life that is everlasting, the life that has conquered the power of the devil. The life that has overcome the power of the curse and the power of death. The life that has overcome the power of sin. This is the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul cries out in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to know the power of Jesus' resurrected life. I don't want to know life in this world. I want to know the resurrected life of Christ Jesus that has overcome all things to make me right with God forever. Why do I preach Christ Jesus every Sunday? Why do you think I do this? Because He has made the only way to God for me and for you. He is the truth of God and the everlasting life of God. That is why we are called to bear witness to Jesus Christ to the nations. That is why the great commission that Christ Jesus has given us is to go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Pastor Douglas, then, what is the reason for the hope you have in Christ? What is the reason for the hope you have In Christ, Jesus has made a way for me to God through His precious blood shed for me to pay the penalty for my sin. He has opened my eyes to the truth about my standing before God and His salvation through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit calling me to repent, to turn from what I thought was true to what is truly true. Revealed in Jesus Christ. He has given me eternal life through His resurrected life-giving power. 
How do I know I have this great salvation? How do I know? Because Jesus lives, so do I. Because Jesus lives, so do I. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. And because He lives, so shall I. Say it with me. Christ is risen. And because He lives, so shall I. This is the reason, beloved, for our great hope in our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.